mind stand up with me this morning? David, I'm going to switch mics. Amen. If you've got your Bibles, you can turn to Matthew chapter 7. Let me tell you a couple things. I meant to say this earlier. You're going to stand through all of this, so um, get your exercise in today. You'll meet your stand goal on your Apple Watch very quickly if you have one of those. A uh, couple things I meant to say just a moment ago. Um, we, one thing we want to do with the Hope Center that we're trying to, to look for is if, if, if there's a lot of people always want to give back. We don't know exactly what people's skills are, what they want to do. And one of the best ways to be able to give there, uh, you don't have to give a Bible lesson. You don't have to be able to do that if you're a, a male and you say, me and my wife want to go out there and just spend time with the girls. And we're looking for mentors because the truth is when you connect with, here's the way this works. And I'll, I'll say this in the second service within a minute. But what happens is you get to know people and there's just certain people you're drawn to. And we just want you to be able to connect with these young ladies, be able to mentor them. A lot of them just need a, a good, positive mentor in their life to be able to check on them. So we want to give you the opportunity. But also, there's some things we're doing around the house, and we don't know exactly what everybody's skills are. So soon, we're going to be getting some things together just to kind of find out, is there something that you might be able to say, you know what, I am good at building this, or I'm good at doing that. And we're just going to, that way we can call you and say, hey, listen, uh, we're doing this out here, this project, would you like to be a part? So we're going to be looking at a few of those things. You're going to hear about that very soon, some different things things that we're doing, just trying to help make their experience. When you got 23 women living in one household, and the house is a big house, but it was built for a family, and so there's just some renovations we're going to do just to make it a little easier to try to cook for that many people and do that much stuff. Uh, can you imagine 23 people, they have one washer and dryer trying to do laundry for 23 people. So anyway, well, there's some things like that we're going to be doing, and we're, we're going to have a list of things people can give toward, just some things just to help bless them, um, because we're excited about all God is doing, and uh, I had a, I, I won't say this in the second service, I don't want to embarrass them, but I had a grandmother come to me last week that was here with one of the girls, and um, one of those special moments, she just looked me in the eyes, and she said, I am so glad my granddaughter is in good hands, and I know that God has her where she's supposed to be, and that's the kind of stuff that we love to hear, Amen. Amen. And also, just a, a practical thing you can let people know, um, next door to us here is a construction company, but they also do cleaning, professional cleaning. Um, they look like the Ghostbusters. They, they, they have backpacks on, and they literally have these machines, ionizers, that literally put out this stuff that will bond to surfaces for 10 days and destroy chemical, I mean, destroy any kind of infections or anything. And so we've been working with them. They've given us a great deal since they're next door. They literally just walk over. And so every other week, they are coming by, and we're paying them every other week to clean in here as far as spray that stuff. This area, and they also do the uh, children's area back there in the lobby, and they, they, all of our toys and all that kind of stuff. So everything is cleaned every other week. So for 10 days, it lasts. And so anyway, uh, we're excited about that. So just to let you know, they, they do some big churches. They also do some big companies. So if anybody asks, I had several calls this week and say, are you doing anything for cleaning? I know things are still going on. Just want to let you know, maybe let you have a little, uh, your mind at rest, that we are cleaning and we're caring about your future. Amen. If you've got your Bibles, Matthew chapter 7, a couple more weeks, we're going to be talking about the way of Jesus. And I want to talk to you today about a very familiar scripture. I want to preach on this topic, you've got something in your eye. Matthew chapter 7, verse 1. Judge not that you be not judged. For what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not consider the plank in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck from your eye, and look, a plank is in your own eye? 
hypocrite. First remove the plank from your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Do not give what is holy to the dogs, nor cast your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under feet and turn and tear you in pieces. Father, we just thank you for your word today. Thank you for lives that are being changed and set free. Father, we thank you as we quote your word, we speak your word over our life, that people's lives are changed. So, Father, right now, as we declare your word together in this moment, Father, we, we come up to the table, at the table of God, and we taste and see that the Lord is good, that your word is living bread for us. It gives us sustenance. So, Father, right now, as we eat of your word, may it strengthen us and empower us to be everything you have called us to be by the power of the Holy Spirit and all of God's people together said, amen. Turn around, look at somebody, say, I'm glad I got to sit by you and you may be seated. I heard a story once about a man who, because of back problems in life, he was stooped over. And because he was stooped over, he knew everybody by their shoes. Now, I'll be honest with you, I have quite a few shoes in my closet, probably too many, maybe more than my wife, which is embarrassing to admit. So he might not recognize me. But he would look at people and he couldn't see their faces, but he could see their shoes. And I thought about that story this week because we live in an age now, if you go to Walmart, if you go to Norman, go anywhere like that, you have to wear a mask. And if you're not careful, you can't notice who people are. This week, I was in Crest buying some groceries for us, and this lady walked by, and I thought it was a lady who used to attend church here and then moved to another city, and so she doesn't go to church anymore, but I was thinking, you know, I need to say hello, so I'm there with my mask on, and I'm saying, hello, how are you, and this lady pulls down her mask to let me know I'm not who you think I am, and in that moment, I realized, I said, sorry, I thought you were somebody else, and I just kept going. The truth is that the eyes are something we're having to pay attention to, and I've learned Whenever my, my wife likes us to take pictures, and that is like the biggest understatement of the year. And I've learned, I thought, well, I don't have to smile. I'm wearing a mask. I love this. Like, no longer have to smile in pictures, but I've learned that's not true. Your eyes can even smile. The reason I'm saying this is because the eyes were very important to what Jesus is telling us this morning. That he says in chapter 6 that the eyes are the lamp to the body. If you let in light, then your life is going to be full of light. And if you let in darkness, then your life is going to be full of darkness. You get to decide what you let in and the eyes, what you see. Because many times before you partake in anything, you see it. What you allow in through your eyes is going to determine if you are full of light or if you are full of darkness. So I, I want to lay that aside. Let me get to the scripture. This scripture that I'm fixing to quote to you is, my, in my opinion, the most misquoted scripture in all of scripture. It is one that if non-believers, they may know John 3.16, but besides John 3.16, they might not know it's Matthew 7.1, but they know this verse. Sometimes people even tattoo this verse on their body. If you have that, I'm not making fun of you. I'm just saying that happens a lot. But here is the verse, judge not. And a lot of non-believers say, hey, the Bible says don't judge. Judge not. 
and they stop there. Let me say this to you. The Bible doesn't say judge not only. If we stop there, we have missed what Jesus is trying to say. He says judge not that you be not judged. For whatever measure you use to judge, that same measure is going to be given back to you. He's not saying don't judge because later on in this very chapter, he says beware of false prophets. You will know them by their fruit. So if I can't judge anybody, how can I know if somebody has good fruit or bad fruit or if they're a false prophet or a true prophet, if they're speaking the truth or a lie, if I can't judge what they're saying what he's trying to get to is this if you're gonna judge be careful how you judge because whatever measure you use to judge others that same measure is gonna be measured back to you and he's trying to get to one point John Luke do you mind helping me up here for a second do you mind I'm gonna call you out of the crowd here's what he's trying to say I said this Wednesday night how many of y'all remember Hacksaw Jim Duggan anybody remember him the old wrestler he had a two by four that's who I'm trying to be this morning okay I should have ran down the aisle with an American flag in one hand and a two-by-four in the other, and y'all could have clapped and screamed for me. What Jesus is trying to say is this. How crazy is it that if I was to go up to John Luke and say, hey, man, you've got a, a little splinter in your eye, and the whole time a plank is sticking out of my eyeball. Number one, I'd probably pop him upside the head, and he's a tough guy, and with one little knock of me, I would probably be lights out, okay? But the truth is, what is happening is this, Jesus said, it's crazy, you're going around looking at everybody else trying to say, hey, you got something in your eye there, and it's tiny. What they've got is little, but you have a huge plank sticking out of your own eye, and you're more, more worried about the speck in their eye than you are about the, the plank that is coming out of your eye. You can sit down. Thank you so much. Give him a hand. Thank you for that. Here's what Jesus' point is this. I, I, got, I got some good stuff I'm getting to. Just stay with me. Here's Jesus' point. His point is simply this. Before you try to judge everybody else and look at them, you've got to first look at your own life and see your own flaws. Before you point out everybody else's flaws, before you're trying to get the speck out of their eye, how about you work on the plank that is coming out of your own eye? How about you work on the things that you need to deal with? How about you realize you've got problems in your life, and when you're over there judging everybody and saying, I can't believe you're dealing with this, whenever you've got so many things you're dealing with, you miss and you, you misunderstand, and you don't use the opportunity to take the plank out of your eye. And listen, Jesus is not saying don't take the speck out of your brother's eye. He's saying take the plank out of your own eye first, and then you will be prepared to take the speck out of somebody else's eye. But before you take that out, how about you look at your own life and see exactly what you need to work on and what God needs to do in you? Can you say amen and help me this morning? Two ways we do that. Number one is through humility. The Bible says God resists the proud, but he builds up the humble, okay? He resists the proud. God resists those that are full of pride. Humility in our life is me realizing I've got things I can work on. I'm not perfect. I've got areas that God needs to work on in my own life. I've got things he needs to do in me. And humility, one of the things I've learned going to Rob's Ranch, I love this acronym, EGO, is edging God out. 
ego. It's edging God out. Whenever I have my own ego, I'm edging God out. I'm saying, God, I know better than you do. God, I'm going to edge you out of the picture because I am good. I can work on it myself. And humility says, you know what? No, no, no. I've got to let God change me and transform me. Before I help you work on some areas of your life, how about I let God work on some areas of my life and I must humble myself. I've got to stop being full of pride and arrogance and thinking I know it all and I've got to get to the place to where I begin to say, okay God, there's areas of my life that are not like you and so I'm going to humbly humble myself and say, God, you work on me so then I can only, and after then, I can speak to somebody else about, about their life. Amen? And the second word is this, is hunger. Humility and hunger. I believe those that are really coming to know God are those that hunger to be more like Jesus. They hunger to allow God to change them. They are hungry for it. Have you ever watched sports right now? You know, this is a weird time, and, uh, you know, I've been watching NBA basketball and watching um, the guys start back up, and, and, and it looks like they have fans, but they're fake fans on the wall and all that kind of stuff, you know, and the, the Thunder fixing to play the Rocket soon and all this kind of stuff. But I've been watching that, and the guys that are playing better in the bubble are those that came into the bubble hungry for it. They were hungry for it. If you notice, the Portland Trailblazers just won, and they, they, they begged to get a shot to play. And Damian Lillard, their point guard, just been going off 60-something points and, and playing like crazy. He came into the bubble hungry, hungry to win. He wanted a chance to be in the playoffs. Where everybody else, many of the teams are sitting at home, never even got in. He said, just give me a shot. He was hungry for it. And listen, I believe our lives as Christians should be marked by our hunger to be like Jesus. We should be hungry for it. We should desire it. We should want it in our life above everything else. That God, I want to be like you. I want integrity and character in my life. I want my character to be shaped by God. I don't know about you, but I grew up in a time where character mattered. I grew up being taught that your character matter. That let your yes be yes and your no be no let your handshake matter to somebody because your character matters what you do when nobody else is looking matters listen to me I don't care how good somebody is I don't care what authority to have authority does not equal character I don't care what kind of title they have that doesn't mean they have character I don't care if they have charisma or a platform if they have influence or accomplishments listen to me what matters above everything else is do you have character and integrity are you being shaped like Jesus so that whenever nobody's looking you still act like Jesus when nobody's around you still live the life of Christ that is what it means to be full of character and integrity and I believe our world has lost the importance of what it means to live with some kind of character in your life amen come on I could preach a lot better if y'all help me just a little bit this morning your character matters and what I believe happens is this, that if we're not hungry to be like God, then our character is being shaped like Christ. If we're, not, if we're not hungry to be like him, but when we hunger for the right things, when we care about the right things, then all of a sudden we begin to be shaped. Listen to me, here's how it happens. Paul says in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, and do not be conformed to this world. One translation says, do not be conformed to the patterns of this world. This world has certain patterns. The world says it doesn't matter what it takes, you get to the top. It doesn't matter. You push everybody else down. You do whatever it takes to scramble to the top. That's what the world says. 
But God says, do not be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How do you become transformed? How do you become somebody who is able to get the plank out of their own eye? It is because you're renewing your mind. The problem is this. We are born with a worldly mind. We are born with a worldly mindset. All of us, we're born into sin, and we have that in our heads already. I love my eight-month-old son, but he will slap the fire out of me sometimes, and I have to get on to him already, okay? Who taught him to do that? Probably his mama when I'm not around, okay? She's like, when daddy's here, you pop him inside the head. No. The truth is, he's born with that kind of way of thinking. He just, he's all boy. He's pow, you know, grab him for my glasses, grab him for my hat. He's all, and I have him to, I'm having to say, be gentle. He grabs the dog and grabs the tail. And I mean, you know, we're having to teach him some things. Because we're born with a certain pattern and a way of being. But Paul says, do not, be tra- do not be conformed to this world. Do you realize that your brain, this is science, but your brain literally has grooves in it. Where over time, it is like a road map. That over time, when you do something enough, your brain becomes to, to a place to where it knows how to do that without even thinking about it. Because those things are, are, literally, gr- are literally carved into your brain. And I believe part of what it means to come to know Jesus is literally relearning what it means to live. It means now I'm a new creation. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things become new. So now, when something happens to me, how do I respond and react? I need to respond and react like Jesus, but I've got to have the right kind of thinking. Because sometimes my mind will do something, have me do something, before I really think it through. You understand? And so I believe we have to renew our mind. We've got to be transformed. And transformation happens right here between your ears when you allow God to change your mindset to where now you're humble before you were full of pride and arrogance before you said nobody's going to tell me what to do I speak for myself now you're humble and you say God change me now you're hungry you want to be like Jesus you want to care about the right things you want to live a life of character and integrity you want to live a life that matters a life on purpose that happens because you allow God to change your thinking to where you begin to think about the right things amen amen Listen, this scripture has been in my mind for a while now. Because here's the thing about eyes. Until I get the plank out of my own eye, I cannot see clearly. You realize what I may think is a speck in your eye may not even really be there. But I can't see it because I'm looking through a plank that is in my own eye. And throughout scripture, eyes are something where God is trying to show us something. It is the idea of learning and wisdom and understanding. And I believe what God, literally, for the last few weeks, the scripture I'm fixing to read to you in Ephesians has been coming through my head every single week. And this week, as I was praying and studying, the Holy Spirit showed me the scripture again and said, you have to preach on this because I believe Paul is praying the key to all of this. Here's what he says in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18. The eyes of your understanding be in, being enlightened. Let me stop there. Paul is praying for the church at Ephesus. And here's what he's praying for them. He's saying, above everything else, I want to pray this prayer for you. That the eyes of your understanding would be open so that something can happen. But here's the thing. The eyes of your understanding cannot be open. I was at Walmart just the other day, and we were buying stuff for the back-to-school thing. We had tons of stuff. 
and, and, and uh, like I can do, I accidentally picked the brand new person. The lady kept saying, I'm so sorry. And we had like, a, you know, 100 packs of paper, and she's having to figure all this out. She goes, I'm so sorry. This is my first day of working here. And I'm like, sorry, if I would have known that, I would have picked somebody else for your sake, not ours. I don't mind waiting, but for your sake. I felt sorry for her. So this lady comes over to help, and this lady's trying to help, and she's having problems. And halfway through it, she realizes she has her sunglasses on, okay? And, and she can't see. I mean, she's a worker. And she says, oh, my goodness, I've been wearing my sunglasses and inside, and I didn't even realize it. I said, you thought they had you on night shift, didn't you? That's what I told the lady. But here's a lady who she's trying to help, but she can't see clearly. And what happens whenever God helps you take the speck out of your own eye, now the eyes of your understanding are open. Why? I love this for two reasons. Paul says, number one, that you may know what is the hope of his calling. Until the eyes of your understanding are open, you won't really see. Because here's what the Bible says, the God of this world has blinded our eyes. The enemy blinds our eyes so that we cannot see anything else going on. So that we think we live in darkness and we walk in darkness. But when you come to know Jesus, the Bible says just like, I believe it was the Apostle Paul, maybe Peter, one of those guys, just go with me here. But guess what happened? Whenever they came to know Jesus, the scales fell off their eyes and all of a sudden they could see things they had never seen before God is taking us to a place where we can see things we have never seen before he is trying to get us to see things in the spiritual realm we have never seen before but we need the eyes of our understanding enlightened and then when that happens you know what the hope of your calling is you don't have shackles holding you back any longer you don't have scales on your eyes now you know you have a hope in Jesus Christ and you have a calling that is greater than this world and you realize you were created on purpose God made you for a reason and you have a life to live and when you begin to live that way you know now this is the hope of my calling amen and then number two the worship team can join me up here number two not only do you know the hope of your calling put that scripture back up there if you don't mind but you know what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints Listen to this, when you know, when your eyes have been opened and the eyes of your understanding, not only do you realize that I have a hope and a calling, but now you realize I am part of something that is so much bigger than me, that I am joining with the saints of God. Hebrews says we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. And I realize, not only am I with the saints of God, but I have an inheritance with the saints of God. Now, I have an inheritance that God says, you are my child. And because you're my child, you are welcome to everything that I've got. That we are, we, we, listen, that Ephesians, in, before this, in chapter 1, Paul says, we are seated with him in heavenly places. I know what your life feels like right now. And you say, well, Pastor, you don't know what I've dealt with this week. But here's the thing, you are seated with him in heavenly places right now, spiritually. And because of that, when your eyes are open to see that, because we're, listen, we live in the natural. We see what is going on. You know what Jesus says at the end of this passage I read to you? Do not put, swirl, put pearls before swine. Don't cast your pearls before swine. Why? Because you're wasting good pearls. Okay? Swine don't want the pearls put on. 
I believe it's down here, one of the restaurants here in town, it says, don't teach a pig to sing because you're just going to make the pig mad and waste your time, okay? What, what, what Jesus is trying to tell us is this. We get down in the muck and the mire that we're not called to be a part of. We get down not to help people. We just get down to where people are at. And I want you to know, I believe there's this thing called the high road. I don't have to go to where everybody's at the low road. I don't have, listen, I don't mean you don't get in the trenches and help people. What I'm saying is this, if we're not careful, we let people bait us to get to their level. And then when we get to their level, we begin to fight with them. And you know what happens when we fight with them? We are casting pearls before swine. And you know what Jesus said? Be careful you do that because you know what's going to happen to you? They're going to forget about the pearls and they're going to attack you. And what I want you to see today is this. If you will keep your eyes on not just what is going on around us, Okay? I know it's a mess. I know the world is messed up right now. And I know we want things differently. But if you will keep your eyes on the prize, and if you will keep your eyes on, by yourself, I don't mean selfish. I mean if you will keep your eyes on letting God work in you and stop trying to fix every other problem and let God fix you, then you know what? All of a sudden you'd wake up one day and you'd realize, I don't have to cast pearls before swine. I don't have to live this way. Now, God has opened my eyes to see the truth. And the truth is, no matter how bad this world gets, I still have a hope. And my hope is not in this world or the systems of this world, but my hope is in the fact that Jesus Christ died and he rose again. And because of that, he brought me life. And now I have a reason to live. Now I have a reason to continue. I have a hope and a calling. And I have an inheritance with the saints that one of these days, if Jesus doesn't come back, I'm going to pass away from this life and I'm going to join the great cloud of witnesses and I'm going to cheer on that generation that is running at that moment until the return of Jesus Christ I'm going to do that but in this moment right now I don't have to wait till then to get my inheritance I can enjoy the inheritance of the saints right now that I can walk in everything God has for me I can walk in everything the abundant life that God has for me I can walk in it right now and when I understand that all of a sudden it changes my perspective I'm not just trying to get a little bit of a speck out of your eye when I've got this giant two by four sticking out of my own eye I'm gonna first work on the two by four in my eye and then I'm gonna look at you and say you know what God's helped me let me help you God's worked on me let me work on you God's freed me let me free you because I believe the truth is anytime God frees us when God brings us out of hell it's not so that we can live by ourselves it's so that we can go back in the flames and drag somebody else back and say come on now go with me God God brought me out of this now God wants to bring you out of this but before you can go back in the flames and bring somebody else out you got to get out yourself first you got to let God set you free and then you can go back in and begin to pull other people out but you've got to first allow God to free you and change you. You've got to get the plank out of your own eye and then you can begin to grab others and say, come on, I will help you because God has done it in me and he is no respecter of persons and if he set me free, he can set you free as well. Amen? Will you stand up?